You're listening to Rambling with Ryu, hosted by Bean, the co-founder of Ryu Paralysis Recovery Center living with a T10 spinal cord injury, and Nancy, a professional kinesiologist specializing in pediatric and adult neurorehabilitation. Welcome to our activity-based therapy series, where we talk to leading clinicians, researchers, and those with lived experience as we explore the realm of neurorecovery. On this podcast, we educate on the lesser-known topics and give practical tips and tricks to help elevate your practice. Today, we're going to be talking about something different other than neurorecovery. We're going to be talking about travel, and that's because myself and a few of my friends went to Mexico just this past week, and so we wanted to talk about our experiences with that. So joining Nancy and I today is uh, my friend Kendra Earhart and my other friend Brian Hanachu. So welcome, you guys, and I'll get you guys to introduce yourselves. So, Kendra, why don't we start with you? Oh, I was hoping Brian would go first. Hello, everyone. My name is Kendra Earhart. I sustained my spinal cord injury coming up on three years ago in a skiing accident. So a little bit new to all of this. It was my first big, big trip. Prior to my injury, I was an avid traveler and I had the opportunity to travel to a bunch of different countries. So I was glad to have that background, but traveling with a wheelchair definitely takes a little bit more planning and a little bit more work. So it was an experience and I was glad to have uh, went through it with these two. So it was a great, great introduction to that. Quarantine project actually worked out good. My big uh, thing I did, I started a wheelchair travel website, uh, wheeliegirltravel.com. So I just wanted to create a resource for other people with spinal cord injuries or wheelchair users in regards to traveling with a wheelchair. I found there wasn't a whole bunch of information out there. So yeah, happy to be here today. Awesome. And we're happy to have you. Brian, how about you? Go ahead next. Hello, my name is Brian. I am classified as a T6 complete paraplegic. I had my motorcycle accident going on six or seven years ago now down in Calgary and I moved to Edmonton after. I've been friends with Bean for a long time through the networking of the wheelchair world. And this wasn't my first experience traveling in a chair, but it was my first time traveling out of the country. So there was a lot of hiccups along the way, but just as you have to be adaptable and roll with the punches, we made it and we made the best of it. I think we all had a really great vacation. We did have a really great vacation. Okay, so I guess let's just start from the beginning. What was it like going to the airport and boarding the plane? For myself, it was quite simple. I've done a lot of traveling, so it wasn't that difficult for me. And I was actually the first one at the airport, which was surprising because I'm usually always late. But yeah, Brian, let's hear your experience. So anytime you're flying in a wheelchair, you're typically first one on the plane and last one off the plane which isn't always the greatest, but you just kind of deal with it. On this trip, we did the pre-boarding where you transfer from your wheelchair into the aisle chair, and that's how they transition you onto the plane. And then you need to transfer into your seat and have everything with you that you need because you're going to be on that plane for a long time. When you get off, it's not always the greatest there. Especially in this experience, when we were down in Mexico, the aisle chair that they had in Mexico was like pretty beat up and old and not as beautiful as the one on the Canadian side. But overall, I thought it was a good experience. I thought they did really well 
the one thing that I wish they would have on the other end is a ramp because typically when you're boarding a plane in Canada, it's all relatively accessible. There's no stairs, there's no lifting, but down in Mexico, they didn't seem to have a ramp for us. So they, they had to carry us down a large flight of stairs, which they did quite gracefully, but because I'm a larger guy, it was a little bit nerve wracking because, you know, if someone drops you, you're just kind of at their mercy. Yeah, I think the deplaning process was the scariest part of the whole thing. Because before you can even think or realize what's happening, you're tilted back at a good 45 degrees and you're whisked down the stairs by four people. So, yeah, that was an experience. But, yeah, no, they did it smoothly and it was fine. But it's like Brian said, it's a little bit scarier than just climbing down some stairs. One thing for me that was nerve wracking and gave me a lot of anxiety was like, saying goodbye to my wheelchair and just putting your faith in the staff that it's going to arrive in the same condition that you left it, right? Because that's our mobility device that we need. If it shows up with flat tires, you're going to have to deal with it, right? Like there's all kinds of problems that can arise if someone doesn't take good care of your equipment. So saying goodbye to your wheelchair and hoping it arrives on the other side gave me a lot of anxiety for sure. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up, Brian, because that separation anxiety from your wheelchair or your legs is something a lot of us experience, especially when traveling. And so one thing that I usually tell like the people at the gate who are moving your chair, as I always say, like, be careful with my legs. And then they kind of give me a weird look. And then I just say, like, that's my legs. My wheelchair is my legs. So please be careful with it. And then they usually are. But things often do get damaged, as I'm sure we'll hear right away. Kendra? Yeah, it's one thing for something to get damaged on the way there. Like, obviously, that's way more convenient. I had some damage to my moving booster push assist device, but that was on the way home, thankfully, or else it would have been a way different story trying to get around the resort. So I'm thankful that the damage happened on the way back and everything was fixable and it was fine. But it was just kind of an eye opener that you don't know what's going to happen. And like Brian and Bean both mentioned, you're at the mercy of someone else who doesn't necessarily know how to handle the wheelchair or the equipment. And there's a little bit of a language barrier there too. So yeah, it kind of makes for more of a process. All right. Can we backtrack a little bit? So we kind of jumped right to just jumping onto the plane, but let's talk through a little bit the process going through the airport. Did you guys take luggage with you? Was the airport staff helpful? Was it like going through security? So if we want to start maybe with Bean. Yeah, sure. So I got there, like I said, quite early and my mom dropped me off. So she brought my suitcase into the airport for me. And then I had my carry on, which I just kept on my lap as a duffel bag. And then when you get to the check-in counter, um, it was quite smooth. Once they checked my bag in, then it was quite easy for me because I didn't have anything else to carry with me, just my bag to go through security. And then, yeah, going through security and stuff was super easy too. Most people I have found have been very accommodating. I've only run into a couple of crabby people at the airport in the last nine years that I've been paralyzed, but most people are quite nice. I think if you're nice to them, they're quite nice to you. Brian, you want to share your story? So I brought my powered wheelchair device. It's an attachment called a Baytech, which is a front powered wheel. So I'm able to scoot around through the airport with a lot of ease. 
I just have my one carry-on bag and my one luggage bag. The biggest thing is checking and getting the right tags on your wheelchair and your power assist item so that it shows up directly at the gate. There, We did have an incident where one of the red tags fell off one of our chairs. And if that tag isn't on there, when you leave it, then it's gonna show up where your luggage shows up and you'll be stuck in that aisle chair for a really long time. So you really gotta pay attention and be on top of the check-in flight people because sometimes maybe it's new to them or they're not sure what's going on. So you really kinda gotta have a good idea of what's going on ahead of time. Other than that, the one thing that I don't like is the pat down body pat downs because they don't want us to go through the metal detector they do a full uh, body pat down on you and it takes a lot longer and someone's always asking you silly questions like it's just kind of annoying i wish they could scoot around that but i understand airport security's tight and that's something that uh, we have to deal with right yeah, unfortunately, that's something that we're not going to ever be able to get around because if we go through a metal detector, we just have so much metal on us that it's going to be set off. I mean, they do ask if you want to go into a private room to have your pat down done, but I agree too. That just adds more time to what you're doing. So I just usually get it done right in the airport, as I'm sure you guys did too. But I agree, it is a little bit annoying. But what choice do we have? Kendra, let's hear about your airport story. I found the whole check-in process to be really smooth. I'm a chronic overpacker, so I definitely brought more than I needed to. But once the bags were checked, it was super manageable because like Bean said, you only have your carry-on and you can just keep it on your lap. Going through security, fairly smooth. It was pretty fast. They just swab you down, swab your chair down and do a little pat down. So it wasn't too, too bad for me. I've been in other airports before when I was down in New Jersey and it was a way more invasive pat down. Like... So I don't know. I think it just depends on what airport you're at or who's doing that. But yeah, it can be a little bit of a invasive process. But yeah, once we got through security and everything was fine, I just found the actual boarding process to be a little bit chaotic. They kind of just whisk you on there and you have to remember to take all the parts of your wheelchair that can fall off, take them off so they don't get lost into the abyss. And yeah, you kind of just have to know what's going on and what goes where and who has what and they're putting your bags above. So yeah, it was... A little bit chaotic but it's a process like everything else yeah you need to be prepared so when you're transitioning to that aisle chair i bring my rojo seat cushion my carry-on and whatever else i need to make sure i can go to the bathroom when i'm on the plane and that's one thing that you you really want to make sure you have your seat cushion with you because you don't want to run the risk of losing that if you leave it on your wheelchair it could fly off in the loading dock or something or maybe you could have a popped cushion and that's just a total game changer for your trip right yeah and they also make you take any lithium batteries with you so for both of you guys both of your uh, mobility devices um, did you have to take your batteries into the plane as well yeah i did and it's quite heavy but the staff is pretty good with helping and lifting and you just got to pay attention and make sure you know where your stuff is yeah, they were good on the way there. They grabbed the moving booster off and they kept it in the cabin as it was supposed to because it's supposed to come in the cabin with you. But on the way back, like I said before, I think there's a little bit of a language barrier and it ended up going underneath with the wheelchair, which was fine. They just put it on the seat. But I don't know. In all the chaos, everything happened so fast that I didn't even realize and it was too late to say anything. And I heard the flight attendants kind of 
freak out and make some phone calls over it, but they said it was fine in the end. So I think it's a process for everyone, even the flight attendants. It's kind of it's new to them too, because maybe not everyone's dealt with wheelchair users or power system devices as well. So yeah. Yeah, and I think that people really need to understand that the expert of the wheelchair itself is the person sitting in it. And what I have found and what I saw on this trip too is that no one was listening to you. No one listens to me either when I had my e-bike. And it's kind of like you have to just be like, hey, listen to me. I'm going to tell you what to do, how to put this away so that it isn't broken. I think that's something that needs to change in all airports and all countries there's just so much chaos and so much rushing that that's how things get broken. Yeah. On that note, can we talk about how well versed the staff were in using the aisle chair and like what that process is like of transferring from your chair to the aisle chair? Brian, why don't we go to you? So I'm a little bit bigger as some of you know me as muscles, Brian, I do a lot of working out and training. None of the straps ever fit over my shoulders on the aisle chair. So I have pretty good balance. I can sit there and, and be okay. But the flight attendants are always so paranoid. They want to like triple strap me in and try and mess around with getting extensions for their seat belts and all this nonsense. So I can just hold it. You're not going that far when you're boarding the plane. Different story when you arrive and they have to take you down the steps. That's when you actually do want to be belted in. But I found on the Canadian side, the staff was pretty well-versed, where down in the Mexico side, it may have been a little bit overwhelming to them, especially having three of us all together. It was just one person traveling alone with some able-bodied people. They might have a better handle on it, but because there was three of us, I think they were a little bit uh, overwhelmed. Kendra, why don't we go to you? It wasn't too bad. The transfer over is all right. Like there's the little arm on it and kind of heave yourself over. But I don't know. It's just like not the best feeling to be belted into that thing. It makes you feel like you're Hannibal Lecter and you're just kind of strapped into some little chair. But honestly, no, everyone was super professional and super nice. And they, they kind of tilt you way back and they get you in there and they help you transfer over if you need. And they'll put the cushion on the chair. I chose to sit on my cushion during the plane ride just because I didn't want to worry about any pressure sores or anything like that. You end up sitting like super high up, but it worked for me. I slept the whole way there, so it didn't really bother me. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. And then I think it was more of a process on the Mexican side of things just because with the language barrier one and then with there being three of us and no able body person to help direct or help with luggage or any of our equipment. So it was doable but probably not something they see every day and Bean, what about you yeah so for me here i think they were very well versed with the aisle chair i've been in a few different airports where i mean they some people a lot of people just don't know how the aisle chair works or what to do with it but for here i thought it was fine and yeah i think you guys are both right that i think that it was because there was three of us that they were a little bit flustered but then you think about what about like all these sports teams when sports teams go travel there's like 30 of them or 20 of them so if they're going traveling together is it like that for them too now i wonder i'm going to ask ask somebody but yeah no i thought it was pretty smooth kendra just a note for traveling as a team when i traveled down to new jersey with the sledge hockey team there was i think there's five of us in wheelchairs but not everyone chose to use the aisle chair i think there's only two of us because some people could walk a little bit or they could kind of get themselves to their seat so i think it just it's at 
a person's discretion whether or not they use the aisle chair so maybe not everyone uses it all the time so yeah that was my experience with that but that's only been one trip so okay cool yeah i'm glad you just cleared that up thank you all right why don't we go to what essentials do you need to make sure you have in your carry-on i know brian kind of touched on this a little bit so why don't we go back to brian and you want to elaborate a little bit on kind of your essentials that you take on the plane with you I just make sure I have obviously my passport and all my travel information and everything I need to go to the bathroom. That means a catheter, whether it's one with a bag on it or you have an empty bottle that maybe you can pee into if you need to. I'm never one to use the airline bathroom just because I won't ever be able to fit in there and it would just kind of be a disaster. So I'll just kind of if I have to pee into a bottle and take it with me and deal with it when I get off the plane. But the most of the time I just manage my fluid intake and make sure I go to the bathroom directly before I board the plane. And then I'm usually pretty good. And Kendra, any tips on the essentials that you took on your carry on? Like Brian said, definitely want your passport and your phone. Pen's always a useful thing to have when you have to fill out the customs forms. I brought my headphones and I had catheters with me. It's just with the setup of the airline bathroom, unless you can stand up and transfer in there, you're not going to get in there. And it, it would have been half decent this time because we had empty rows. But if I had to go over top of two separate people and then try to transfer in there, like it's just not going to happen. So like Brian said, just manage your liquid intake, make sure you go pee before you board the plane and yeah, kind of hope for the best and it's all fine. It's a six hour flight, so it's not too bad. If it was a 13 hour flight or something, obviously you'd have to cast from your chair or figure something out. But yeah, I don't know. I don't keep a whole bunch with me. I have my carry-on bag, but it goes above, so it's not like I can access that stuff. I didn't really need anything anyways, so yeah, just the bare minimum. Some gum was good when my ears popped, and that's about it. Good tips. I just wanted to mention, too, so most airplanes don't have TVs and stuff in them anymore, but they have the USB ports, and so I brought my headphones and my phone, but my charger didn't have a USB end on it, so I wasn't able to charge my phone, so just a note to take a USB and charging uh, device or charging cable for your devices. And then uh, just a side note as well, as Kendra and Brian both mentioned peeing in your chair in the airplane, uh, just so everybody knows that's actually illegal. <laughs> and that's, you actually should not be doing that or don't get caught doing that. But like they said too, what are your other options, right? I'm able to use the a bathroom on the airplane. Every airplane comes equipped with an aisle chair and it was actually a brand new aisle chair, which was awesome on the planes that we were on this time. And like Kendra said, you do have to be able to stand up or pivot 180 to do a transfer onto the toilet. And it's not very convenient in those bathrooms either, but you have to do what you've got to do. So I wonder like on these longer flights, what do people do? Do you think most people would have a Foley catheter, Kendra? Yeah, that's what they told me when I was at the hospital. They'd say, learn how to do the indwelling catheter and use that for the longer flights. In my research I've done online, I think a lot of people don't do that. They kind of just, it's not healthy and uh, take it with a grain of salt, but just limit your liquid intake, wear a brief or whatever and do what you got to do and survive the flight. I think the flight's going to be the worst part of travel with the wheelchair, just because you can't get up, you can't move. And if you can't use the restroom, like what are you supposed to do? You have no options. 
yeah, I agree that having a Foley catheter would work for draining your urine, obviously, but it does uh, affect your bladder function. Even having a catheter in for two hours affects your bladder function. So I wonder what people do and how they make it work. Okay, so let's talk about when we got to Mexico. What was your experience like, Brian? It was really fun. I had a great time. The resort was huge, so I was really glad I brought a power assist device so I didn't have to push myself everywhere. The room situation was a little bit difficult. It's not ideal for a wheelchair user, especially a permanent full-time one. If someone else is traveling that can maybe have some limited function where they can kind of get around a little bit better, but myself being a complete injury, I'm always in that seated position. So it's the get moving around in the bathroom and trying to get that to work and showering and stuff can be a little bit challenging. Fortunately, my room was good enough, but I know you guys had a problem. I'll let you elaborate on that. Yeah, the first room they had, they put us in like a tub room and then it has an accessible bar in the tub. I brought my shower chair and I thought I was going to get a roll in shower. So I kind of I don't know. I got a little bit flustered at that. But yeah, the first room they put us in was not wheelchair accessible at all. Like You couldn't even get in the bathroom and close the door or even park your wheelchair next to the toilet to be able to transfer or do anything. So I don't know. Sometimes it just seems like they put a grab bar on the wall and call it accessible when it's definitely not. Thankfully, they were super accommodating and we brought up the issue and they transferred us to a new room within hours kind of thing. So like that was awesome. The new room did have a roll-in shower and it was usable, but still, like, the bathroom setup is not ideal. We both have fairly narrow wheelchairs and to even get to, like, the sink, you had to, like, drive into the shower, close the door behind you, and then, like, pivot 180 degrees to get to the sink. The problem could have been solved if they put the door on the other way, if the door would have opened outwards, but I don't know if that's, like, a fire coat thing or whatever. Or, like, a pocket door would have been perfect, just not have to deal with that door yeah because i don't know if you had a wider wheelchair if you were we're both fairly small if you were any bigger like there's no way that would have been an accessible room but yeah i don't know you gotta make it work and you do what you gotta do yeah that's the problem with accessibility in different countries right like in america they have the ada in canada we have the cda now but we have you know general accessibility guidelines 36 inch doors counter heights and stuff like that grab bars in the shower but when you go to a country that's not Canada or the US, that's where accessibility does come into play of like, and then you can't make everything accessible for everyone. So you do kind of have to roll with the punches and get creative with how you're going to stay and how you're going to make it successful. And then of course, I mean, the more money you pay for the bigger rooms, like the suites and stuff like that, those ones are way more accessible simply because they're bigger. Uh, but on the other hand, they're going to cost you a lot more too. So I guess we'll equate that to the disability tax that we get taxed. <laughs> Just joking, that's not a real tax. Okay, so let's go back to when we got from the airport and how we got to the resort. Kendra, you were impressed with this. So why don't we have you tell us, talk about this, sorry. So we pre-booked an accessible van. And basically what it was, was a big rollout ramp. And then there was space to tie down two of the wheelchairs. One of us had to transfer out. So being transferred out on the way there. And then Brian transferred out of his chair on the way back and just transferred into a regular seat. And then the two of us were able to remain in our chairs and just get tied down that way. And then all of our luggage fit in the back. So honestly, I thought that was great. I think it's nice seeing 
just like modular accessibility stuff like that because it's a rollout ramp it's not a lift that's going to break down or something like that because i've had issues with that before when you're traveling and if a lift breaks down like you're kind of just stranded and you'd be stuck on the bus or stuck on stuck wherever so seeing a simple modification like that where you could modify just another van or a regular vehicle and make an accessible van out of it was great to see the other thing too dealing with our luggage on the way there and back there was a guy in the airport that helped out and we we tipped him obviously to help deal with our bags because like i said before i brought way too much stuff with me so having two bags plus a wheelchair and my carry-on and everything just going through the chaos of the airport it was great to have someone help out because it would not have been manageable on my own <laughs> Yeah, I fully agree. And I find like in countries like this, people are so super helpful. Yeah, because they want to get tipped. But then on our end, like it helps us out too, because, you know, we tried wheeling ourselves and pushing our suitcases too. And I think we could have done it. It just <laughs> would have been really funny and really ugly. And that's why people always come and ask us if we need help. <laughs> Brian, you have anything to add? Yeah, well, they do have a weight limit to the bags and the ladies were right on the cusp. I believe it was a 50 pound bag or that you check under the plane and then your carry on is a certain size. So I was amazed that I couldn't even lift these girls bags. That's how heavy they're packing. They're bringing everything under the sun. So when my bag went on there and it was like 30 pounds, everyone was shocked because I try to travel light because I know how difficult that can be. So I just thought that was funny that obviously we need to bring all kinds of things with us. Like I bring a raised toilet seat with me so I can do my bowel routine wherever I travel to. And I'm sure everyone else has all kinds of things they bring as well. Like Kendra brought an entire commode chair, a shower chair. So it is true that they are very helpful and they're quick to lend a hand. Whereas in Canada, it's a little more they're kind of waiting for you to ask. Thanks for uh, writing us out there, Brian. Yes, we pack heavy, okay? We needed six pairs of shoes and all the clothes that we brought, okay? Kendra? Yeah, I brought way too much stuff, but it's just like, I don't know. I get, I'm like, oh, what if I need this or that? And like, oh, I definitely need three outfits a day, which I did not. And like, yeah, the commode chair was all right and it was good to have, but it was like way way too much to deal with it would have been fine if it was like an able-bodied person help and I'm glad Bean could help me put it together but at the end of the day it didn't even necessarily work in the bathroom there because the toilet was wider so I used it as a shower chair and then I used the arm bar as like an actual grab bar to help boost myself up but yeah it did not work as intended but yeah like it, it was manageable but just for the amount of transportation and hauling that thing around like I don't know it was not the best solution I don't think so that'll be something to figure out in the future. One thing that I feel like is a big room for improvement is the folding down seat benches in the showers there. Yes, it's a roll-in shower and they have this little seat that folds down, but it's about a 10 inch by 10 inch really hard bench where I just kind of sat on a couple towels every time I showered and that still doesn't really give us a nice place to sit it was very uncomfortable and you don't want to be sitting on that for that long so I really wish that they would be able to improve that because it's such an easy thing to put a a small padded bench in there or something that is a little bit more comfortable or better for our skin yeah that's a great point Brian and I'm going to be talking to our travel agent about our trip and just things that we 
thought that could be improved and hopefully he'll be able to give us a contact at the resort and that way maybe we can give them our feedback and that's something that I try to do with every hotel or whatever that I go to is just try to be like you know congratulate them on the things that they did were very well but then also let them know like hey this is something simple that you could do to improve the stay for your guests next time actually what i saw online the company that we booked the accessible transportation through cancun accessible you can actually rent shower chairs or um, different mobility aids through them so i think that gives another option if you didn't want to travel with your whole shower chair setup or commode setup obviously their options are going to be probably more limited so it might not be exactly what you're used to but and you have to actually pay for it so it's another cost to incur but at least it gives you another option if you don't want to travel with everything and travel a little bit lighter because they'll deliver it right to your hotel I guess so it's another cool option yeah and I think that's one of the perks of traveling to a place like Cancun where it's you know heavily populated there it's a very big city and there's a lot of tourism there and so I think that's a easy like first trip to get away so you can test yourself and test accessibility and stuff because like Kendra said all of this stuff is available so if you do forget something they have a whole catalog of medical um, and health supplies that you can get so even if you run out of catheters or if you need gauze or any kind of gloves or lube or anything you can get it there of course with American dollars. Okay, so let's talk about our resort. So one thing that I know all three of us loved was the smooth tiled floors all throughout the resort in the lobbies and stuff. And so Kendra brought her uh, moving booster, which is like a smart drive, but not. And then Brian brought his Baytech. And so let's hear from both of you guys about what you thought about the different types of flooring we encountered. I thought the tile was great. It was super smooth, easy to push, but one thing it was super dangerous because there's cliffs everywhere. Like if you try to cut a corner or you're looking at the scenery and not paying attention, like you're going to fall into a fountain or I actually fell off the path once and fell luckily into the grass, but I was able to recover and make it, but I couldn't imagine if we were traveling with someone that was maybe a quadriplegic or not using a manual chair. They were having to use a power chair. I think that it would have been a little bit uh, riskier. There's a lot of cobblestone and super bumpy paths to get to where you need to go. But when you're inside the resort, the, yes, the tile is is really nice. Yeah, I never thought I'd encounter so many different types of terrain. But uh, yeah, the tiled floor is definitely... Uh... The best of the best. There's some other cobblestone, it's a little bit more bumpy, and you kind of had to make sure your foot didn't bump off your footrest and you don't run your foot over. But yeah, other than that, it was pretty good. It was a huge resort, so I'm glad I had a power assist unit. There were golf carts that went around the resort, and you have the option, they'll literally scoop you up and put your wheelchair in the back, and you kind of hold on until you get to where you want to go. But honestly, the paths around the resort were one of my favorite parts. You kind of have to take them slow. They're a little bit windy and there's no guardrails on the side. So yeah, there is the chance that you could drive off the path, which is not something you want to do. My other favorite part of the resort was the boardwalk all along the beach. Like I love going to the beach and sand and wheelchairs do not mix. You're not going anywhere in the sand. So to have that boardwalk to make the beach accessible, like that was fantastic. That's pretty much where I posted up every single day. It worked out great because we could just pull the sunbeds in parallel to the boardwalk and transfer over. And yeah, it was perfect. 
Yeah, that beach was awesome. And that's something I really liked about this resort is they had like wooden planks to get to the beach. And it was all across the whole length of our resort where they had the beach with the boardwalk, which was awesome because it did make the whole thing accessible. The only thing is, is they didn't have a beach mat and they didn't have a boardwalk that went to the water. So we weren't able to access the water. Kendra was when we made friends with a bodybuilder who piggybacked Kendra into the water. But yeah, the boardwalk was was really awesome and people were so super helpful anytime we wanted to move the lounging beds people were jump up people would come and help us the very first day though Kendra and I both got stuck in the sand because we didn't know what we were doing but then after that we're like okay no more wheelchairs in the sand our wheelchairs have to stay out of the sand and we have to bring our beds to us okay so now let's talk about ramps so a lot of these resorts have a couple of steps here and a couple of steps there and they do have ramps where there are a couple of steps but these ramps are steep and like here in Canada the code is 12 to 1 right so for what everyone in China the ramp must be 12 inches long but there they don't have any kind of code and so there was the one in the theater where we had to cross a couple of times there was these ramps that were I don't know, at least 45 degrees, right? Like these were insane ramps. And I pushed myself up once. And then after that, we're like, no, we're getting help up and down these ramps because they were insane. What did you guys think about them, Brian? I could make it down the ramp with a wheelie, but I couldn't make it up the ramp. Like it, physics is not going to work. Like you can't just, it was so steep, right? So it's nice that they were there and we were able to get to where we needed to go with with assistance. But like I said, there's room for improvement where you can have it where you can handle it independently or you don't need to rely on a on a stranger to to push you. Because in my experience, sometimes someone has never pushed someone in a wheelchair before They They tend to push down instead of pushing forward and that can tip you right over. Right. So it's all uh play it by ear and roll with the punches but i'm glad the ramps were there i just think that it could be better yeah it was nice to see the ramps the thought was there it's just uh they had lots of room to make them a little bit less steep of a grade they just don't realize maybe i don't know so that's something to bring up for the most part it was pretty good but yeah there was a few ramps there like i didn't even try to go down it because the last thing I want is to tip out of my chair and my my chair was so loaded up with my backpacks and everything like all that extra weight there's no way that was gonna happen okay so now we've talked about a lot of the things that we would want to change so let's talk about some of the stuff that we really liked for myself the food was incredible it was amazing we all of us gained a little bit of weight because we ate so much Kendra what did you like the most about our trip in the resort I think everyone was super accommodating, like all the other uh, waitresses and waiters. And when they saw us coming, they'd move the chairs uh, from the table right away. So we didn't have to, I don't know, haul them around or anything like that. Everyone was super accommodating. And for the most part, everything was pretty accessible. The only thing, there was no like designated wheelchair accessible bathroom in like the common areas. So you might be able to like get your wheelchair in there, but it's going to be a 180 degree transfer to the toilet. And then... It was like a foot pedal to flush. So like that's not going to happen. So like that was one other thing. Like it's doable if you had to use it, but not ideal. But yeah, other than that, everything was like great. The food is fantastic. The beach was awesome. Everyone is super helpful. 
And, oh, and all the wildlife. I loved all the wildlife, the flamingos and the peacocks and the turtles and everything like that. Like, it was awesome. It was like, it's like going into nature, the jungle and just having that all around you at all times. Like, it was, it was really cool. For me, it was just escaping the cold snap in Edmonton, where you go outside here and the air hurts your face and you need to worry about having a sweater and a jacket and winter socks and boots and gloves and a toque and mask and everything whereas when you're down there at the resort you're just rolling around in your beachwear and you're good to go like being said the food was incredible the desserts were my favorite and i think that may be why i gained some weight and the coffee don't forget about the coffee unreal i had coffee today and i'm like ah this isn't the same i don't know missed that yeah, the coffee was always so good. Okay, let's talk about Brian. Why don't you you tell us the story of what people said to you in the gym and they asked you if we were a team. Let's hear about that. Right, so they actually had a really nice fitness center there at the resort, which I used quite regularly. Almost every day I was there. It was nice. They didn't have any accessible equipment or anything like that, but I could still make do with what they had. They had all kinds of like pulley systems and dumbbells, a Smith machine and some great stuff for exercise. But I don't think they had ever seen anyone with a disability work out there before because they were just like mesmerized. And when they saw myself at one time and then they saw Bean maybe go in there later in the day, the next day I went, they had a million questions for us. They just were so curious, right? They thought, are these guys a traveling team together? Or does this guy have a wife or two wives? Or what is going on here? So they're all full of questions. And it was quite interesting to see everyone's interpretation of, you know, three people in wheelchairs just can't be friends traveling. They've got to have some type of credential or something, right? they It's just something you don't see very often. Not from the very moment we rolled out of that ramp, the three of us, like nobody's ever seen that before. We were the celebrities at the resort. And obviously, yeah, you're very visible when you're a person in a wheelchair. So I think it was nice having the three of us. And it was nice not just being the only one to kind of take some of the pressure off. But yeah, no, it was super fun. Yeah, so after Brian got that comment, we decided that we are the Canadian Adapted High Jump Team. And that's how we were going to present ourselves to everybody because people think, like Brian said, it's so hard for people to fathom that there's three people in wheelchairs and they're all friends and they're all going traveling for no reason other than just to travel. So another stigma and barrier that we got to break. Well, and then I think because there was no able-bodied person with us either. Well, Alicia helped us at the end and stuff. So she was there to help us up the ramps. But I just think it's such a rare occurrence. People don't realize that uh, wheelchair users can be independent and travel independently and yeah. Yeah, which is why it's important for us to continue to do so and to show the able-bodied world that, hey, we're normal people doing normal things. Okay, so do you guys have any tips for people that are looking to travel that might be scared? Since this was both of your guys' first kind of big trip post-injury, you know, what lessons and tips do you guys have for them? Kendra. I think the best thing we did was to book it through a travel agent, Scott Bear. He was fantastic. He made so many accommodations for us, like on the airplane, having the whole road to ourselves. We were able to stretch out and just 
have that space. And then with the room, when we were initially put in the one room that didn't have the roll-in shower, he helped us sort that out right away as well. And it's just nice having someone else on the other end to help organize all the nitty gritty stuff and just let you enjoy your vacation and have it be a hassle-free experience and not run into a bunch of hiccups. So I think that was that was a great thing. This was my first experience traveling with someone else with a disability, which I would actually highly recommend because whenever one of us would run into a hurdle or some kind of problem, like the other two are there to support and help figure it out, right? Where when you're in this scenario and it's just you, a lot of people don't understand and they don't, they just tell you to figure it out, right? So when you have a support system or a network with you that can understand your hurdles that you're facing, I think that's a good tip. So if you can find a wheelie partner to travel with, do it for sure. I just think we need to make this an annual thing because yeah, no, this is definitely the way to go. It's nice having the wheelie crew out and about international. Yes, that's what I was going to say too. I was like, we should make this an annual thing and whoever can come, come. Because, you know, it's just nice to have a vacation to get away, but it's also nice to for other people in other countries to see people traveling together as well. And yeah, I wanted to touch on a point that Kendra said is to use a travel agent. So the guy that we use, Scott Bear, he's actually one of our Ryu clients who is starting his travel agency business. And so this was his first trip that he put together for us. And he did an amazing job. He actually went above and beyond with customer service, made sure that we were very much taken care of on the airplane, on the way there and on the way back. Each of us got our own rows. We all got to lay down if we wanted to. No one else was allowed to sit with us. And that made us feel like extra VIP. But yeah, Scott did an amazing job. And his company is Earth Adventures Travel. And you can contact him at earthadventurestravel at gmail.com. And Scott was amazing. He was so good with us. And I really do highly recommend using a travel agent simply because they take care of everything for you. And it's nice to have that peace of mind. Well, guys, is there anything else that either of you would like to say or something that we didn't touch upon? Kendra? I think just going for it, because obviously you can work up all these anxieties and stuff in your head, all these things that can go wrong and... I don't know, you kind of just put yourself off it. But I think you just have to go for it and deal with the problems as they come. And everything will turn out better than you expect. Yeah, totally. Just be prepared to be adaptable and roll with the punches, like I say, right? If the first room you get isn't accessible, just don't go there and have a hissy fit. Just be polite and ask for a different room and things will work out, right? As long as you're a responsible person and you have the best intentions and you just want to enjoy yourself. The universe kind of provides that for you and everyone got their wish of the vacation. Bean got a killer tan. Kendra got to go in the ocean. I got to work out and, and get some gains from tons of food. So it was like all around a great trip for everyone. Yep. That's right. All of us got what we wanted out of this trip, which was awesome. I'm really grateful that you guys came with me and there was supposed to be more of us, but of course COVID has uh, taken some people out, but I'm really glad you guys got to come with me and thank you both for joining us on this podcast and sharing your stories of our trip. And hopefully if our listeners are out there thinking about traveling, just go out there and like Kendra said, just do it right? You can't live in fear. Things are going to happen no matter what. Adversity is going to come no matter what. But like Brian has said, keep rolling with the punches and just 
keep going because otherwise life's going to pass you by. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. As always, we would greatly appreciate if you could subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, as this helps us increase our reach. And stay tuned for another episode coming at you in two weeks.